Is mainstream school failing your kids? The pandemic, with all the changes to schooling and daily life, is a moment of opportunity to rethink the educational path that works best for you and for your kids. So the question is, how can we as parents find alternative solutions that aren't necessarily having to do it all ourselves or pay for programs that we can't afford? I'm Jerry Kirk. And I'm Graham Kirk. Join us as we talk with families thriving on their own path. We shared practical tips, wins, and challenges they've been through to help you on yours. We interview educational experts and parent entrepreneurs with education solutions for the modern age, so parents wanting a better alternative can make confident, informed choices. Welcome to the Modern Education Movement Podcast. You're ready for change. And so are we. Welcome back to the Modern Education Movement Podcast. For as long as there has been compulsory schooling, many students have asked, do I really have to go to school through 12th grade? Isn't there some other way? And as they're pulling their hair, the conventional answer that most parents respond with is, sorry, no, there's no other way. You've just got to make the best of it. And, you know, that's that's what they did as parents. And, well, they survived. Now, for Kenneth Danford, that answer just didn't satisfy So in 1996, he left his public school teaching job to help students live, learn, and grow in a different environment. What he did was something extraordinary. He co-founded what became North Star, an alternative to middle school and high school. It's not a school itself. It's a self-directed learning education center for teens. And they help teens create a life that is meaningful and relevant to them. This experience includes many things like a customized academic plan, weekly meetings with a personal advisor, quarterly family meetings, plus a variety of classes, workshops, and tutorials. And they've been providing the support to hundreds of students over the past two decades. From there, most North Star teens go on to college afterwards. Now, Kenneth is shifting some of his focus to spreading the North Star model across the world through what he's called Liberated Learners, which is a network of learning centers. And he's also published a book called Learning is Natural, School is Optional, which tells the story of North Star. Yes, there are viable and often superior alternatives to traditional school. And today, we're going to dive into what North Star is all about to see if that approach is a better fit for you and your family. Kenneth, welcome to the show. Thank you, Jerry. Glad to be here. Appreciate the opportunity to talk. Fantastic. Well, you know, first off, I just want to say, you know, congratulations. I mean, 20 plus years doing something that at the time must have felt scary and exciting. Um, you know, you've, you've really come a long way. It's, it's, you know, become your life's work. Well, thank you. Yeah, it's, I wouldn't say it was scary, but we were alone. There was no real models to follow. There was a Sudbury Valley school not too far from here, but I never visited. And, you know, they were doing their own thing. And now it feels like lots of people are interested. The model has grown tremendous, not just the model, but the whole homeschooling world, unschooling world, self-directed learning centers, agile people. Democratic schooling has grown a lot, and so there's a lot more interest, and we're not alone. And uh, I'm glad to be able to uh, notice other models, learn from other people, and have colleagues in a way that I did not at the beginning. That's really fantastic. Yeah, and so you know, looking back, I'm kind of curious. What were, what were some of your initial hopes? Like, what were your aspirations that you had when when you began this whole journey? Well, the hope has been very constant. You know, the mission of North Star is to make living and learning without school possible for any interested teen in our Pioneer Valley of Western Massachusetts. That's what I'm still doing primarily is making school optional for anybody who doesn't want to go. It's one thing to 
know about homeschooling, maybe to have homeschooled at some point in one's family's life, to uh, believe that it's an okay thing for other people to do. But the whole approach feels and is frankly actually uh, not plausible for many teens, for many families with older kids. Um, And there needs to be some program, some external support to make homeschooling uh, appealing, possible, sustainable for any kid who is feeling trapped and constrained by schooling. And so that's that's the mission, that's the goal, and that's what uh, I love doing is being the person who can offer enough support so that any child can change uh, their life today for tomorrow. It's awesome. Yeah, that is certainly awesome. Um, and I'm curious, I mean, over, over the years, are there any particular uh, student uh, stories that really stand out for you in, in, in all that's, that's happened at North Star? Oh, boy. You know, that's why I wrote a book. I can't, you know, I don't, uh, from the very, you know, the first chapter in the book, or not the first chapter, but the beginning, there's four teens who were in my class in eighth grade at the Amherst Middle School back in the day, the Amherst Junior High, who came out with us, several other of the first kids from those first five years who helped us learn the lessons about growing without schooling, you know, on our terms, you know, that's the, that's the, uh, John Holt phrase growing without schooling. Right. Um, and so, uh, just seeing teens who were miserable in school, who were creative, uh, one, you know, I can start naming names, but I don't even know where to start. Um, it's just liberating to see, uh, people opt out of school and even it goes all the way through the, uh, the, you know, these oldest alums are over 40. We now have second generation members, but it it goes all the way up to today where we have kids who are anxious and depressed and not wanting to go to school. We have kids who are musicians or artists who feel like school's doing it all wrong or there's not enough free time. There's kids who are just done being socially oriented to peers and they just want to get on to either work or community college or whatever they want to do next. And they're 16 and they're driving and they're really young adults. And I get to to help each one of them uh, jump ahead. Uh, I'm not sure who to say for a favorite story right now. Sorry. Yeah, well, certainly. Um, also, some some good. I guess what you're pointing out there is just there's, there's such a different diversity of students that have been. Um, I found that the, the traditional system just hasn't hasn't met their needs, and, and North Star has been a great alternative for them. Right. Yeah. You know, and in the meantime, while I'm helping all these other kids not go to school, my own two children who are 25 and 22 did choose to go to traditional junior high and high school for the most part. My daughter opted out late in the game and without North Star, she ended up doing some community college early. But uh, for the most part in my own personal life, almost everybody in my family and my extended family are, are school-oriented people. So it's it's entertaining. <laughs> yeah, must make for great uh, Thanksgiving dinner conversations. Yes, it does. <laughs> and, and I think that's one, one, of the, one of the things that I, you know, I, I read in, you know, the... Um, materially have on, on your websites is that there is no one path, right, for for, for teens. But for those who have found that the, the school system just isn't is meeting their needs or just isn't creating the, you know, life and feeling that they want, um, it's important to know that, that there are alternatives. Right. I mean, you know, there's a, I'll give you a couple stories right now. We have one 17-year-old teen who really was just feeling overwhelmed by trying to be a perfectionist in ninth, 10th grade, came out of school and is athletic and is playing ultimate frisbee for for a team, but has uh, taken you know two to three community college classes each semester while coming to North Star two or three days a week for classes and tutoring and coaching here, and also has a part time job at a grocery store which they've grown into, 
And just being 16 to 18 with a little community college, a little North Star, a little job, getting the driver's license. And by the time they're 18, they're going to have a year or two's worth of college done and transfer on as a sophomore junior. And just enjoying every day uh, of these years compared to slogging through school with all the stress bother trying to get good grades so they can later apply to college is just um, it's just staggering how much better this lifestyle is for that particular uh, person. You know, we yeah, have everything. Yeah, go ahead. it just sounds like everything in their in their life is is just relevant, right? right. It's just it's, it's yeah. And then we had another fellow. Yeah, I mean, and it's so easy to go to community college and take English or chemistry or dancing or music or or photography, and then if you like it, do more. Like it's so the barrier to entry is just nil. There's nothing to it. You don't even have to have a GED or high set or anything to start. You just you know start taking classes, and if you like it, keep going. Do it part time and live a life of you know. 15 to 18 years old doing like permanent summer. It's really available. We have another fellow who's, you know, less school oriented, who basically spent all his time fishing. I wrote about him in the book. It's a fun story to tell because it's really true. And, um, you know, he, he would make movies of himself, of uh, videos of the fishing he had. And then he would go home on the days he wasn't fishing and edit them all. He got sponsors on YouTube from fishing companies. He now runs a local, um, fly fishing tour service, you know, for Godzuko's lots of money every, you know, um, that's what he does. He has a fly fishing guide business at 19, 20 years old. Wow, that's you awesome. Know, and, you know, he has just another patience or the desire right now to be in school. And at some point, he'll, you know, he could teach entrepreneurship, but he doesn't, he just doesn't want to be in school. Um, but then we have, you know, your mathematicians and your chemists. We have people who are college professors from our alums who just got an early start on college or were academic all the way. Or uh, we have professional musicians, world-class jazz piano player, Miro Sprague. Uh, a local band called And the Kids is a big deal here in our valley. There's young women met here or they knew each other before here, but they played together here. Um, you know, there's just so many angles on if you don't have to go spend all your time in school, what do you really want to learn? And do you want to learn it for the thrill of it and the joy of it and satisfaction of it? Or do you want to learn it for the sake of the credit and the credential that you need to do the next task? Um, and so, you know, we treat those questions organically and, you know, one at a time. And we don't get too bent out of shape when 13 to 15 year olds are exploring and playing. And then when they're 16, 17, 18, you know, hopefully they're finding something worthwhile to get up for in the morning. Right. Yeah. That's, that's, that's a great lead into to my next curiosity, which is, um, what do you think it is that, that teens need the most to be successful, to be, to be creating that, that path for themselves? What are, what are the, you know, over the years you've, you've tried a lot of different things. Um, you know, what, what are those ingredients that uh, are the keys to success? Well, I think the two keys here, well, they need time and space and support. Those are the words they need conceptually. They need time and space and support. Uh, and what that means in real life is most teens need a physical building and community center and adults like us in their lives. It's like most kids need a summer camp or an after school program or some something other than just the freedom to go home and learn whatever they want on YouTube after school or whatever. You know, you need a place in adults and community in real lifetime, uh, real time, you know, to so that that's really essential. And the other thing that we have at Norastar is this. Um, advisory system where each teen meets with an adult once a week and it can be anywhere from 15 minutes to an hour depending on how the teen values that sort of conversation but the the, the weekly advisory is a little bit of you know what days you come into north star what classes are you doing here do you like them do you want any tutors and you know for anything that you're working on any guitar lessons or photography or writing or math uh, when you're not here, you know, what are your projects at, at, at home? Do you have any like homeschooly type projects or computer programming or 
things you're working on, the novel, the, you know, Khan Academy or whatever you might be doing out school. And then, you know, when you're not at home and you're not here, what are you doing out in the world? You know, the sports, the jobs, the internships, the politics, the activism, um, driver's license, GED. If they're 16 and older, maybe a community college class, as I mentioned before. And just asking teens on a weekly basis, how are you feeling about it all? How is it managing? How is it playing out? What's special this week? Any news? You know, and then what's the medium term vision for yourself in the next three to six months? And how do you see this playing out over two years? And that is really essential. I think, you know, that's a good thing to offer people. Is a, a, So those two things uh, that Northstar does practically are host a space of 60 kids, you know, 10 to 12 staff members, uh, a lively community center where people can go have a home away from home, which happens to have, you know, a calendar full of classes and activities here that you could partake in if you want. But um, having the space and community and people to do it with where it's normalized to not go to school and we all know that it's fine and we don't have to think about it every day or justify it. That and then this one-on-one conversation with someone who's, you know, a non-parental adult. And, you know, school kids need that too. And many kids in school get that from a teacher or a coach or somebody in their lives. So that's what I think is – but just first of all, the time and space uh, is, is, is key I could keep going for a second. I got another thought to keep going on if you want, Jerry. You had another question there. I'm, I'm a bit intrigued by the the first thing you're saying about 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 space, right? Because I mean, for a lot of a lot of families, you know, are doing the, the homeschooling thing or whatnot, you know, that, I think that that piece might be 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 lacking for them. You know, especially if you're in a smaller like where I live, right? Um, there there's a bit of a local homeschooling community, but but nothing like what you're describing, right? And so <laughs> I guess so. You're yeah, you're chopping the bit here. So uh, just yeah, go. Just, yeah, to say more about um, why that's so essential, what that offers that teens need. Sorry Besides the fact that it, it, so it's kind of normalizing, you know, education. Because, yeah, sorry for interrupting there. I was all excited. Um, most teens, in the broad range of most teens, uh, want some social life. They want... Not to be, you know, the freedom to do whatever they want isn't worth being home alone. It's too much of a trade-off. Uh, when there's lots of little kids homeschooling and there's a little co-op and Tuesdays and Thursdays and you play and whatever, that's one thing. When you get to be 14, 15, 16 and you need some separation from your parents and there's no other kids around so you can have a separation but it just means going totally on your own. Most kids will choose going to school to be around more people over that independent freedom. That's just the way, that's just normal psychology, I think. And uh, it takes a really hardcore uh, person who says, ah, never mind, I'll live without the kids. I'll just, I just want my freedom to do my thing. There's people like that, but they're a minority of people. And so I don't think people will want to sustain a homeschooling independent approach without a community as they get past 11, 12, 13 years old. Yeah, that's, that's a good point. Yeah, I've got, you know, for myself, actually, it's interesting you talk about that because, uh, you know, I've got three kids, all teenagers now, and I have an older daughter who's 17 and twin boys who are almost 15. And yeah, my, my one of the boys, David, he, uh, he went to school, high school last year. He'd been homeschooled his whole life up till then. And that was a big part of it for him, playing sports and just connecting with other kids because, yeah, there's really not a lot of good alternative options. It's one of my frustrations living where I do right now is I don't feel like there's, there's some really good viable alternatives for uh, kids outside of school to have kind of that social element 
Um, so that's been his, his, his fix for it really. Yeah. And we can make it a teen thing, but it's a human thing. I think adults face the same thing. How much do you want your independence and freedom versus how much do you want any community and social life? And what's the trade-off there in terms of where you live and how you work and so on, right? These are active trade-offs. Well, let's, let's dive into as well on the, on the advisory side, cause I'm curious, curious about that as well. Um, do you find that, uh, teenagers are, I mean, in my conversations with, uh, with my kids, at least, I mean, it's cause I'm a parent. I find tr- trying to talk about like goals and aspirations and looking beyond looking down the road. Um, don't get a lot of, a lot of engagement personally with that. Um, how do you, how do you find, uh, teenagers? How do you get teenagers to, um, explore that more, more deeply? Well, I didn't get so much engagement on this on these topics with my own children either. You know, I sometimes do now, but I think it has a lot to do with parental parent child dynamics. I think having non-parental adults is critical. My kids had mentors and adult figures in their lives who weren't my wife and me, and I'm grateful for them. And I'm glad to be that adult and have North Star staff be in that role for many of our teens. I think it's not that hard for a teen to talk to someone they don't live with who isn't going to throw it back in their face all the time that they can say one thing one week and then drop it and say something completely different the next week and not have any repercussion about it. Right. You know, it's just, you can't have these conversations with your parent. Most people don't have these conversations with their parents. I think what you're describing is the norm. Yeah. There's some exceptional families and exceptional relationships, but by and large kids need some anonymity and space to say things out loud and hear themselves say it and try things on for a week or two. And, and, um, not have to live with the fact that their parents going to bring it back at them. Like, so what, so what are you doing about it? Did you go to the library yet? You know, and uh, have you done the research yet? You said you wanted to have you done what? Like, no one wants that. I don't want that. I'm sure. You, so, but, and it's not wrong that parents do that, that just, there's being parental. So I just think that the advisory is a chance for a kid to have a trusting relationship with someone who's not really holding them accountable per se, or not overly uh, invested or overly, you know, worried. It's not my kid, you know, whatever. Uh, We worry. I'm making fun of us now. But uh, I think that this has been true for the ages, though. And again, but you know, kids in school, sometimes they have camp counselors or sports coaches or music teachers or theater directors who become important mentors to them in a way that a parent couldn't be. So it's not limited to North Star. It's just that we structure. That's part of our structure. And in some cases, these advisories are life-changing or life-important you know, important things. And in some cases, they're ho-hum. Not every advisory that I have with every kid is so magical. I don't want to overdo it. But um, we, we structure it into the North Star experience that there is somebody who is talking to you on a weekly basis because we want to know how you're doing. We were curious to see how we fit into your life. Curious to know if there's anything else that you might want. And when you, if you don't structure it, kids will never, you know, it's too high a bar for a kid to call for a meeting and ask for help because they think it has to be really huge. So when you just have a weekly meeting, these five, 10 minutes, what's new this week? Oh, and you saw the movie or you watched the Red Sox. Oh, you know, which class did you try this week? Uh, did you like it? Are you going to go back again? Like it's just a normal procedure. It normalizes it. It takes all the, the stress out of it. Of course, we're going to talk for a few minutes a week. It also means that when there is a real issue, and that we need to talk about something hard, it means that we've already had, you know, weeks and weeks and weeks of a, of a history of sitting in this room together that, um, you know, as opposed to in school when there's an incident, 
you only see the principal or assistant principal in a hard moment. You don't have any other relationship with them. It's just always when you're in trouble. So, you know, it, it, building relationship, building trust, getting to know each other, incidentally, is uh, is part of our structure. Yeah. So I'm, get, so what I'm getting from that, you know, for parents listening is, you know, whether it's something like North Star or otherwise, it's, you know, making sure that, that your kids do have, you know, those mentors or people that can speak into their lives and, and take an interest in, in their development and someone they can talk to. It's kind of a, a safe, safe environment um, for them to explore things that uh, otherwise wouldn't be uh, necessarily so easy uh, in the, in the home. And yeah, that reminds me of uh, a statement I came up with a summary statement uh, a few years ago, which cracks me up. Um, a lot of times, you know, when North Star is only open four days a week, uh, we force, we're not here on Wednesdays. Kids have to like get a life and have a hobby or do other things besides just come here. And, you know, as attendance isn't mandatory. They can come and go as they please and nothing's required. And that scares a lot of school parents. They think it's not enough and that they, they think their kids need more. And so I finally came up with this. And, and also the, uh, the homeschooling, successful homeschooling families of the world often think they don't need as much as uh you know they don't need an advisor what are you busting in our business for you know button in and so the the slogan or the statement i have is school families need north star less than they think they need us homeschooling families need north star more than they think they need us it makes a lot of sense tell us let's dive into a little bit more about uh north star then so you know i was looking on your website and kind of you know outlining all the different pieces so one of them is is you talk about um, putting together an academic plan for the for each kid. Can you talk a bit bit more about what that involves? Sure, it's um, we we trend in the unschooly direction. But the first thing is most of the families that come here are school families who've never homeschooled before. They kids gone to elementary school and gone into or through middle school into high school, maybe or you know six seventh eighth you know, somewhere in there. Uh, is hitting a wall and doesn't want to go to school anymore. And we're telling them there's this whole other lifestyle they can have tonight, tomorrow. Stop going to school then. It's really, you don't have to find a private school. You don't have to win the lottery to a charter school. Just file the homeschooling papers. So in, in when the, when you're coaching a family, when I'm coaching a family to become a legal homeschooling family, there's a protocol in Massachusetts. You know, they have to file a curriculum plan with a local superintendent's office of what they plan to offer their kid. No one really makes sure they do it, but you have to like – present yourself as a reasonably normal person with an English math history science plan for your kid. Um, there's no, again, and at the end of the six months, you can say anything about it. So my a little follow-up summary report of what your kid did um, at age 16, it all evaporates. There's no diplomas. There's no credits. There's no approval. It's just a temporary approval for kids under 16 that the state knows that they're not in school and that someone's paid attention to that. They have a right to an education and someone's paying attention to that for them. So legally, I coach families to write a homeschooling plan because it's required and essential. And even if they choose to unschool or, you know, downplay or however strict they plan to follow, whatever they create. And in creating that plan, I tell them to take liberties with content. You know, they can put whatever they want for math. They can put whatever they want for history or science or English. You don't have to do what kids in school your age are doing. But you can't, you know, take it, take it seriously. Just get checked. You know, there's a check. There's no check pluses. There's no check minuses. And in six months, you got to write them a little story about how your kid's doing just fine. And then you, you do that, you know, until your kid turns 16. So that part is required legally. Separate from that, completely separate from that is what does the teen really want to learn? 
either for themselves or because they're terrified and bludgeoned into it by the culture. You know, they think they ought to learn algebra or they think they ought to write essays or whatever they think they ought to do. Um, but the kid really wants to learn botany or, you know, all about COVID or whatever they want to learn, or, you know, they're an activist. What do the parents need the kids to do so they can sleep at night? You know, is there any, is there anything about English history, math, writing, science, foreign language, community service, getting out of the house, sports, athletics, physical, you know, what is it that parents need their kids to do on a daily, weekly basis so that the parents feel fine? Um, and is the kid willing to do those things? Is there any, is there anything in there that the kid really wants to learn that the parents don't value or want to support? Is there anything that the parents need the kid to do that the kid's absolutely going to refuse and that parents are going to feel like they're, they've given up on the child, they've surrendered, they've thrown in the towel and lost and that letting their kid be a, a nitwit now. Um, you know, that's not sustainable. So we really want teens and parents to come to some agreements about what this lifestyle is going to look like if they stop going to school. Now, we know that in school, there are families where the parents don't care as long as the kids get at least C's and pass every class or even D's. So you don't like English class, you don't like Spanish, but you have to go do it, get the grade, make sure you get the credit. But they don't care about the learning. So, you know, you take that attitude to a homeschooling thing, that doesn't amount to very much because there is no credit to get or grade. So just don't do it then if you don't want to. Is everybody okay with not doing something that you didn't like anyway or not? Or do you need to do some of it anyway? And those have become authentic conversations between kids and parents about what feels like a sufficient amount of learning. And if they're only, you know, 4-H kids learning all about agriculture and going to the county fair and winning blue ribbons, but they don't really do history. Is that okay with everybody or not? Or they're not learning a foreign language or what, you know, like, that's not for North Star to decide. It's certainly not for me to decide, but it's certainly a conversation to help a family have a, come to a decision about what everybody can live with. Yeah. So it sounds like, you know, a big part of what you're, you're doing is just helping that transition, right? Helping to even parents and, and maybe students to a certain degree rethink what is learning, right? When I mean, what's even the purpose of education and, and just creating that safe environment to, to start exploring that and perhaps letting go of some, some outmoded thinking around, as you point out, you know, it's maybe not about just getting, you know, season or more in, in Spanish and, and whatnot, but, but actually doing like stuff that authentically feels valuable and, and exciting for the, for the, the team. Yeah, yes. And it doesn't always go so smoothly. Like for instance, this morning I had a meeting with a teen whose parents are pretty relaxed, but the teen says, you know, I think I just need a math class. I needed someone to just give me a book and tell me to do it. And I'm like, well, shoot, I could give you a book and tell you to do it. And she's like, no, no, no. I need a real math teacher. I'm like, oh, well, what if you just took Khan Academy and did it? And, you know, got all the bubbles filled in, all the color, you know, dots filled in. She's like, no, because it wouldn't be for a grade and it wouldn't be for a credit. And you know, that's just on, that's just doing it for myself isn't enough. I need somebody else that I count as certified to assign me math and judge that I've done it. I'm like, well, okay. You know, I mean, we can look for accredited math online curriculum for high school kid, you know, algebra classes that are like that. Your family will pay a little bit of money. And then you'll do it and you'll feel good about doing it. Good for you. You know, maybe out school or maybe something more accredited even than that. Right. But, you know, long term with you, just so you know, the agenda here is to help you believe that if you just learned algebra on your own and felt good about it, uh, that, that would be sufficient. You could say you've learned algebra. You could judge for yourself. That you, and she just looked at me like I was from Mars. She's just like, that's the dumbest thing I ever heard. I'm not going to. I'm not going to. She's 14. And she's a, you know, okay. serious, you know, coming from a traditional school background, right? 
I'm not yeah. going to declare that I learned enough math. How would I know if I learned enough math? Right. Mm. And, you know, and if she felt that way about English too, like she needs, so, you know, we meet kids where they're at and I'm like, all right, well, you know, humor yourself then. Okay. You know, given your family's, you know, budget and inclinations because her parents weren't, you know, she wouldn't accept assignments and deadlines and requirements from her parents. Uh, she would just resist those. But if she get, if she gets a real class, that would count. Right. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, my, my, my hunch is, I mean, you would sure know probably better than me, but, uh, but she, there was a lot of, she probably got a lot of fulfillment in, in meeting and doing well in these, you know, grades and what, like probably, probably that was a sense of meaning and purpose for her, you know? Sure. But, you know, yeah. it's just, it, it, I think I'm generalizing a different direction of just, we have raised kids not to trust themselves. You don't get to declare what's good enough. I would never have the confidence to say that I, I actually read Romeo and Juliet and I watched a couple, uh, you know, versions of the play or feedback about it or people critique, you know, critiques of it. Um, and that I, I got what I wanted out of Romeo and Juliet. So now I'm going to read, you know, some other thing, right. To be able to say, I got what I wanted out of it. And I, and I, and it counted, I will tell people that I've read and studied Romeo and Juliet now. A lot of people can't do that because they don't feel entitled to declare themselves having studied something just when they do it by themselves for fun with no external judge validating their own assessment. Mm. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, that's that's a really powerful statement there. I'm glad you pointed that out. Yeah, as 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 learners, we start to distrust ourselves, and I think a lot of that is, is built into you know the way traditional schooling is is set up so that. You aren't you aren't trusted. That's I think I noticed you pointed out in, in your website that we just by default uh, schools don't trust uh, kids themselves to to do the learning. It has to be controlled and and structured for them to do it quote unquote right. Right, and then it's you know what well, the reason I quit was because it's not even about learning. It's just about trying, and then if you don't if you don't do it, we get to give you a bad grade and declare you didn't do it. I mean, if schools cared about learning, that would be I might have stayed longer. But you can not learn well, and pass. So if not learning is acceptable, as long as we get to declare you didn't learn, uh, I don't want to be part of that system. So what would you say is, is really important for, um, for the role of, of parents and family in, in the journey for, for teens and creating this, you know, creating the ideal environment for them to, you know, take responsibility for their, for their learning and, and it's going to believe in themselves that they can, they can find their own, their own path. I think that... It, there's for parents, I think there's a sense of modeling, learning for themselves, for their own sake, having hobbies and interests and pursuits, some of which may be for pay, but some of which may just be for the sheer joy of gardening, growing one's own food, learning an instrument, speaking a foreign language, reading books and going to the library and being in a book club for the sheer heck of it, talking about the news and politics or going to protest because you care you know, um, belonging to organizations in your community because that's what one does, voting. I think that that the idea is that we're just talking about living and learning. I'm talking about living, living a decent, interesting life. And the best, and, and, and just take the school and the content out of it for just a minute. What is it, what's so urgent that a 12-year-old has to be doing or a 14-year-old has to be doing, Right. What's urgent to me is that they look, they wake up looking forward to their days and their weeks. They don't feel bludgeoned and trapped and 
dreading, you know, the days ahead of them. Um, that's what feels urgent to me. So if, if we have kids who just hate Sunday nights and Monday mornings, you can live for the weekends and summer vacations. That's sad. I don't, you know, that's, that's dispiriting. And if we have adults who live that way, um, I'm sorry that people feel that way about their lives. And I think that it's a task for all of us to try to find the parts, you know, and control the parts of our lives as best we can to, to increase, you know, uh, a sense of autonomy and, and, and joy in our lives. And so I think that the role of parents in this is, is modeling. Yeah, I think that's great. And makes a lot of, makes a lot of sense. And that's certainly been my own experience as a parent where I've been most successful is not been more <laughs> through anything I've tried to say or, or utter, but, but more just through how I live my own life. I mean, there's, you know, so. you can't, you go through all the subjects, like when in life do you have to literally quote Romeo and Juliet or, you know, know the whole arc of the play, you know, or fail. Like it's not a real thing. When do you have to use pi r squared or factor of polynomial? Like never. You know, when is there a science thing that you must know on the spot or you go back to zero or a history date that, you know, there's moments where it's helpful to know these things and it's helpful to have common culture. I suppose if you're perceived to be adult, you know, people won't, you know, want to hire you if you're, but, but in general, life isn't a series of quiz moments. You know, life is having some things you're good at, being genuinely good at them, being pleasant and, and interactive. And making yourself useful to your community or, you know, enough that people want to pay you for the thing you, that you claim to be good at. And if you are good at that thing, then no one else cares what else you know or do. So let's let's just talk about those things, about being authentic and interested in, in, and actually, you know, good at the thing you, you love. And if you don't love anything yet, that's okay because you're 12. Just go play. Go love playing. Go make some friends. Like, is, what's so urgent for 12-year-olds? Yeah. Yeah, I think that's that's another good good message for a lot of parents. You get get antsy for sure. One thing you mentioned too. One thing I saw as well on on the website that, that caught my attention, probably because it's, it's a personal personal interest as well, um, is just developing helping teens develop the skill of structured versus unstructured time, right? Which to me is is just really about you know how to how to make the most out of you know the opportunity that you have um, with your time because it's you know in school it's obviously a lot of your time is already spoken for and there's not much left to, to do elsewise. But, you know, when you then leave school, there's all of a sudden now this huge void of possibility. Um, and that can also be a, a problem as well. So uh, I'd love for you to t- talk a little bit more about how um, North Star helps uh, teens sort of develop this, this balance. Well, it helps by not having any preset needs or requirements. And so we say to a team, you know, how many days would you like come North Star. And when you're here, which of these classes would you like to do? And when you're here and not doing these classes, do you want to be here talking to people? Do you want to sit in the library? Do you want to have tutors? Do you want to, um, you know, how do you want to use your time when you're here? Do you like being here with, you know, empty time to socialize? Or would you rather just get picked up right after your class is over if you don't want to be here with nothing to do, right? And then the days you're not here, where do you want to be and what do you want to do? And let's start imagining your, you know, favorite places in your idealized life. And let's see if, you know, you and your parents can agree on those things and what's possible for you. So the fishing kid goes fishing and the kid who wants to volunteer at the library or the animal shelter does so. And, you know, there's no preset need to be here. It's really becomes, you know, or, you know, having Wednesdays with grandma, who know, you know, or cooking dinner two days a week. Uh, it's, it's asking kids, what do they 
want? What do they want to do? Where do they want to be? With whom? Uh, what are the skills I'd like to try? And so, um, and then it's meeting with them and saying, so are you doing it or not? And uh, what's getting in the way? So just, just having, just making things more explicit, having, helping teens to get clear on, on what, not just helping get clear, but even just giving them the permission to explore those questions, right? And, and then helping them to, to make that happen. Again, from someone who's not a parent, <laughs> which helps a lot. What, uh, what haven't we covered so far today, Kenneth, that you think would be really important uh, to share with parents? Well, I, I think that a lot of people listening to your show will already know and believe that you don't have to go to school. You can learn with or without school that, uh, and that, you know, they may or may not fully understand that you can go to community college and get a college degree without ever graduating from high school. And that life can be really much more open than our conventional culture suggests. I think that probably everybody's pretty on board with if they have a teen who just doesn't want to go to school, it's probably intellectually okay for them not to go, but it's problematic within the family structure to support that. If the parents are working, if there's a single parent, if no one's home, if you live rurally, how are you going to possibly uh, make living without schooling functional and work, even if it does work for you, you know, it could work, but how do you actually do it if your family isn't set up for it? Right. And so that's where it comes to liberated learners and our centers and our, you know, that's the question. And that's the problem we're trying to solve. Not where, you know, I'm not trying to go on a national crusade to persuade everybody to not go to school. I don't care if people want to go to school. I just want everybody to know they don't need to go to school. And then after they know they need, they don't, they don't need to go to school. I want them to know that if they live near us, we'll help them not go to school. We, we turn nobody away from money or being a hard case or whatever. And so, you know, what we need are a liberated learner center in every community, which is obviously very difficult to do because finances are hard and there's no public money and so on. So the consulting that I'm doing is, is about trying to, sh to spread the, the concept of it takes community support to use this knowledge. It's one, the knowledge itself that you don't have to go to school, that homeschooling is legit, that's great. Good. There's loads of books. You know, you, the world doesn't need my voice to pile on that homeschooling is a good way to live. Fine. We've got plenty of people, cheerleaders, saying that. What the world needs are people saying to working families, single parents, and kids who really hate school who don't have that kind of uh, whatever people romanticize homeschooling families look like who don't, you know, they don't look like that. Uh, ah, you too, you too, you know, yeah, you need a little place. You need an after school program open during the day. You need a summer camp that's year round. You need a place to go and you need some people who aren't your parents. You can't just use the information that homeschooling is okay without some support. So let's work on that. That's my, that's my drive, you know? And so I'm more, I'm not more, I'm not so interested in consulting random, you know, one family at a time with a, you know, how to homeschool as much as, is it possible to generate more community support to help people who can't use that information to be able to use it? Yeah. And how, how's that, how's that going so far? Fair. There's lots of people interested, uh, but you know, starting programs with no, with no uh, external resource, you know, you have to have your own money to do it or charge a high enough fee. You know, it's like starting any boutique private school or even a small business. If you're going to start a restaurant, you have to figure out how to charge enough money. And then you can't necessarily serve low income people at your restaurant if you're charging a high end price. It's hard to run a small business where you are inclusive of low income people. The whole thing's affordable and you're paying a living wage to the workers and there's no other, you know, external source of money. And we do a lot of fundraising at North Star. We're a 501c3 and uh, 
we we raise money we can we do large scale fundraising we raise over a hundred thousand dollars a year with some of our events um and and long-term donors but it's hard to get there and we're going 26 years now so coaching people that there is an alternative and this is what a center looks like that's really fun and doable. In fact, there's people visiting North Star today who are from California who may want to start a center, and they're visiting a number of alternative schools around the country right now. But helping people get enough families to pay them enough money so they can pay living wages to themselves and everybody else and have a budget turns out to be much more challenging than I wish. I see. But it sounds like it's a it's a it's a battle you're you're committed to. To solving. Uh, yeah. You know, we'll, we'll just do it one, one at a time. Everybody can come up with their own solutions and we'll see what we can do. But uh, who knows? You know, I'm open to it. And, I'm, you know, for listeners here who have ideas about that kind of um, economic solution, I'm, I'm open. To, I would love to hear them. Yeah. Fantastic. Awesome. Well, um, Kenneth, it's been a real pleasure to have you on the, on the show today to, to learn more about, you know, something that started out as a, as a dream and a passion over 20 years ago that's now impacted hundreds of lives of teens and families and, and now uh, a mission you have to spread it around the world. Um, thank you for, for everything that you, you've done to um, yeah, help teens create a, a thriving world for them and, and for the rest of us. Oh, thanks for having me. I look forward to, uh, to hearing from your, your listeners. <laughs>